You'll notice that you read Catherine Markham, beloved daughter of James and Marita, deceased, stepdaughter of Annabeth, sister, sister Sarah and Nadine. Hello and welcome. Welcome and hello. This is Wait, You Haven't Seen? And it's a podcast where we talk about movies. And specifically, we talk about a movie that at least one of us has never seen before. Uh, I am your host, Travis, a.k.a. TV's Travis. Uh, This is episode number 44. The movie that we watched this week is 2003's Mystic River, directed by Clint Eastwood. And joining me, I have Keith. Hey-o. Hey. And straight from America's Next Top Podcaster Season 1, Joe Hood. Hello. Hello. All right, so Joe, I know you had said you had never seen this movie before. No, to the point where I was all excited because I was actually up in Mystic, Connecticut, which has a Mystic River, and I thought, oh, I'll be able to see scenes from where the movie was shot <laughs> as I'm wandering around town. Um, yeah, Mystic, Connecticut is this beautiful like touristy town. It has an old recreation of a whaling village where you can learn historical skills and about the whaling industry back in the early New England days. And it has these cute little shops and restaurants. And it is a very different place than where this movie happens. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. Um, and Keith, it sounds like you hadn't seen this before either. I had not seen this movie. And okay. uh, I'll be honest with you. There were some times where it was a pretty tough watch. Uh, yeah, this is not an easy one. So I was just having the conversation. Back a couple of nightmares from recently, too. So. Oh, boy. Well, I was having um, a conversation earlier today uh, with my parents, and I was talking about the movies that um, – because they're always asking me what you know what we do for the show, and I was kind of giving them an idea of what's upcoming. And I was just telling them, like, yeah, we're not – we're kind of in the season of movies. I picked a few here that are not uh, easy and enjoyable watches necessarily. I mean, last week was L.A. Confidential, which is a fantastic film, but again, a little bit heavy. This is even heavier. Um, and and I'm not when, when I say that it was a hard watch. I'm not saying that I didn't enjoy this movie. I think this is a great movie. Well, you know, I, Clint Eastwood does Clint Eastwood all over again. I mean, this is every. I feel this is every bit as good as Gran Torino. Yes, but I I understand, and I'm pretty sure I know why this was a tough one for you, and that's the the father in you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, and for me, um, the similar toughness, but I'm not a huge fan of the, the Clint Eastwood, Clint Eastwooding, Clint Eastwooding. So it'll be interesting to compare notes on that. I want to see what hit home for you and what, uh, and where it missed for me. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, and, and so to give a little bit of backstory as to why we picked this movie to watch this week, um, so it's award season. It's Oscar season. So I've been choosing the last few weeks and, and for the next couple of weeks, movies that won Oscars in different categories. So last week was L.A. Confidential, and that won a Best Supporting Actress for Kim Basinger. Um, this week, Mystic River was Best Supporting Actor. Uh, Tim Robbins won the Oscar for it uh, in 2003. And actually, Sean Penn won Best Actor that year as well. Um, but the cast in this is just, I mean, knock it out of the park phenomenal. There's not, I don't think there's a bad performance in the movie. But your leads of Sean Penn, Tim Robbins, Kevin Bacon, and Lawrence Fishburne, uh, those four are just one hit after the other. And then you throw in Marsha Gay Harden and Laura Linney. And, I mean, you've yeah. got – I mean, that's 
That's like a just a, a murderer's row, for lack of a better term, of uh, great acting in the main you know roles in this movie. Every one of them is great. See, out of the what, out of the six of them, is it just one that hasn't won an award? Um, is... you know, I'm not um, sure. I know Sean Penn, Tim Robbins, uh, Fishburne was nominated. I don't think he's ever won an Oscar. And Laura Linney's won something, right? Laura Linney, I'm pretty sure has. And Marcia Gay Harden won a uh, an Oscar for what was it? She won for. I don't remember now. And then of course Clint, admi- Clint Eastwood directing. So I say admit I just assume Kevin Bacon's fine. Won something for something because he's been in four billion movies. But. Yeah, no doubt. And he was great in this too. I mean, and uh, f- I was reading some trivia about it. Apparently, up until a month before they started shooting, it was going to be, um, um, uh, why is the name the name just just went out of my head? Because I just read that. Two thousand people. Where is it? Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton was originally cast as Sean Devine, and he had. He had done the research. He was living in Boston for a little while, getting ready. And then apparently, according to now IMDb trivia, so take it with a grain of salt, but he had a um, big argument with Clint Eastwood and left. And so they brought in Kevin Bacon. But, I mean, he was, I found him very believable as kind of, uh, he was the state trooper that wanted to do right, um, but, you know, he was just having a little bit of trouble with it. Like, he mm-hmm. couldn't quite be completely straight and narrow, but he was doing a good job. Lawrence Fishburne, I'll watch in anything. He's great. Mm-hmm. I don't care what it is, I'll watch him. I'm not the biggest Sean Penn fan. For me, I, I just, I don't know what it is about him. Maybe it's that he overdoes it. And I think he was even a little overdone, overdoing it in this. But that's not to say that he didn't do a good job. I think he's very talented. I just... I I felt that he nailed that role because that that was every bit of where I would have been in in that situation. Yeah, I had a hard time seeing him as uh, looking at him and Tim Robbins as award winners. Like I could see Tim Robbins for for that role, but there, Sean Penton it didn't quite fit for me. And I think part of it might be the the exact opposite, where there was something about that character that felt unrelatable to me um and i think it might have been just the or or unexplained like i got that he was a small-time gangster but kind of gone clean mm-hmm. but there were pieces of the story missing or pieces of the performance missing that didn't make me fully believe his actions you know rolling into the end of the story so almost like he you th- do you think maybe he wouldn't have gone the route that he did and killed Tim Robbins, killed Dave? Um, or do you think that it was more of a, you don't think he was quite as clean as he was hoping to be? Yeah. I mean, I was really, you know, at, at that point in the, uh, at that point in the process, I one, it was pretty clear to me that, that uh, Dave wasn't the culprit of that like the something even before he told his story about just being a pedophile it's like he did something different mm-hmm. um it was something else and i thought maybe that he had actually killed the murderer but some, for some reason didn't want to get involved um uh but so i was i was waiting for that and seeing that but when the uh 
the taunting him, uh, Jimmy taunting Dave to confess and then stabbing him after he said, I'll give you your life afterwards. Mm -hmm. That was a level of cruelty. Um, it seemed uncalled for because there, there, there was, you know, the, in that whole, you know, where the, where the neighborhood gang kind of set up, there's this, uh, don't trust anyone but us. Mm-hmm. And it felt like Dave was, and maybe this was it, like the relationship between Dave and Jimmy and Sean was never like, he went away in a car, he came back four days later. Um, and then we don't talk about anything that happened between that and when they have all married with kids. Right. And, and that space in between, which, you know, they un they unwind a little bit as the movie goes on. And that's part and of there is a little bit of unpacking there. Yeah. Yeah. But the connection between Dave and the other two guys uh, never really gets explained or opened up um, with any sort of detail. Yeah. Um, no, you're, you're right there. I mean, I would say I, I kind of agree with you in that it almost felt out of character for Sean Penn to then for, you know, for Jimmy to stab him. He was, I mean, right right away in the beginning of the movie, like he's the delinquent one, you know, he's the one that Mm -hmm. wants to go steal a car and ride around the block. He's the one that wants to write their name in the, you know, it's not stealing. We're just going to drive it around the block. Right. Exactly. Um, but he, that's him. So you, you sort of, they set that up already that he's going to be that guy. And Dave just sort of goes along with it. Um, and Sean does and kind Sean of. And Sean ends up. He's kind of the voice of reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so they set that up, but I do think it it does feel just a little bit like a little a bridge too far where he keeps telling him, "You tell me who it is, I'll let you live." I kept the first time I saw it, especially, but even this time because I hadn't watched it in a few years, I kept thinking, "Okay, he's gonna he is gonna let him live." I, I completely forgot that he does actually stab him. Um, but it, I don't know. I, I almost would have liked some more reaction from maybe the uh, the three guys that were there with him. Some of their reactions to it. Like, with that, you could have gotten the context of, is this something that he would normally do? Or does this seem out of character for him to say, I'll give you is, your life back and then kill him father? Anyway? Yeah. Yeah, is this, is this a grieving father going off the rails? Or is this the way Jimmy is? Mm-hmm. Well, they did set up, right, that Jimmy... Um, murdered what just Ray or just um, just Ray just Ray at the same spot and I think with the same guys like the the mm-hmm. guys were hinting at like hey this is the place this is the last place we saw Ray when they were all you know, well yeah that's shot. true and he does um, even come right out and say it right yeah you know finally um, so he's uh, um you know the the idea that he's murdered and I would assume. You know, the you ratted on me and I went to jail is less of a personal affront than I think you just shot and beat my daughter to death for no apparent reason because you're, you know, screwed up in the head. Right. Um, Well, and that's one thing is I don't I mean, they Jimmy knew that Dave had never been the same after the, the incident in the car. But I don't think he like he had a full grasp of how messed up Dave was. Mm-hmm. and just how bad it got. And that's why when Dave's wife is telling him, and I did read something apparently, and I didn't get this uh, until after I'd watched the movie, that is supposed to be Jimmy's sister, Celeste. Oh. 
I knew she was. I I didn't know. I thought she was. Um, or maybe it's Laura Linney's sister. Laura Linney's sister, but yeah, they're they're, you know, they're related through marriage. Yeah, I got that. I I don't okay. know. I don't know. I just didn't catch that. Like I just thought that they were good friends. Um, but to, for her to you know, she has her suspicions, and the movie really. I mean, the movie just gut punches her at the end of it. After yeah. everything that goes on, you know, she it was because of it basically paints her as because of her. That's why Dave is dead. Mm-hmm. And that was that was rough. Um, the whole but movie. At I mean, the, the same movie, time, movie just he ended. wasn't really given her much to go on, other than you know, n- none of his stories are adding up. He came home wounded, covered in blood, and there's you know the same night that all this happened. There's nothing in the papers about anything else. Right. Yeah. What and, What could it be? You know. And he did lie to her. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. he, he he didn't tell her the truth about what happened that night and i think that one thing throughout the whole uh, over and over again in the movie was the like there are people you should be honest with like i understand that people are gonna you know lie to the cops and and you know keep secrets back and forth but you know just like can you tell the truth to someone and and i know this is me putting my personal values onto the characters like it's not an issue with the writing necessarily um although i think for me it might have made some people a little bit less believable because I'm like, you're not going to tell your wife, like you told your wife, you think you killed someone, you know, why not tell her you think you killed someone who was, you thought was, you know, raping a boy in a car rather than someone who tried to mug you. Um, and, uh, cause the one looks more like self-defense and the other <laughs> looks like vigilante murder. That's, but, that's a fair point. Well, yeah, but um, at the I, same I, time, there's, there's I mean, that. My big my big issue was is why why didn't he bother to try keeping his story straight? Because it was always something different. Yeah, exactly. Like it, um, I, I bang, you know, I was care- I was helping a buddy move a couch and I banged my hand on the door jam. Mm-hmm. Oh, I I got I was getting something out of the uh, garbage disposal and it kicked on. Stupid me, you know. It's like, come on, man, come come on. That one's even the dumbest one because that's not what that would look like. No, the garbage no, disposal your hand would look like hamburger. It, it cuts you up and lacerates you. And um, that that was yeah, his not keeping his story straight and telling that lie to the cops also pointed out to me, um, just like, I don't know if you guys had the experience of watching old movies and be like, why don't you call someone on your cell phone? Oh, right. Cause you don't have them. Mm-hmm. Um, the like watching the police procedures from, well, it was from 2003, but I think it was supposed to be set earlier than that. But right, or I guess no, because they had cell phones. Yeah, they had phones. There so were was... some cell phones, but they were all flip mm-hmm. phones. No, there wasn't right. a smartphone to be seen. Well, no, right, this well, would have actually... been years before smartphones anyway. So, yeah, I think the book was written in 2000, 2001. So, you know, but it's, it's really, they, they have cell phones. So, but, so let's say 2003 police procedures, whether it was not true to actual procedures and just sort of willy nilly, you know, describe how the cops worked. Um, or police have gotten a lot more serious and professional in how they handle crime scenes and like guys running towards them. Like when the, when, uh, Jimmy and one of the, you know, gangster brothers, Savage brothers, like running towards the body and the, the cops just sort of grab them and try to hold them. I'm like, dude, 2019, you'd be tased. Oh (laughs) yeah. Definitely down the ground with a knee in your back. Like, and that was, and again, that was, a, I had to pull myself out of that because that was me just trying to put the modern 
reflection on it, but it was a, it was, I was, I had to separate the, like, is this right for the time frame for police procedures versus today? Or are they just kind of hand waving how the police work? Right. Well, and that's, yeah, I, that is one thing I like to do with this show, though. If you haven't, I mean, you've never seen this movie before. So you're looking at yeah. it through the eyes of somebody in 2019, 2020. Yep. I was to... seeing a lot of landline usage, so I was kind of okay. There's still everybody still got a landline, mm-hmm. right? So this is this is early 2000s tops. Yeah, I mean it was and... set modern for the time that it came out. Right, you know, that's the thing. This right. movie's so 16 like, okay, years old. Okay, this, this this still makes sense. You know, they're not tasing the guy, but they weren't really tasing people back then. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm not saying that no agency was just right. Oh, sure. Yeah. And, uh, right. Yeah. And it seemed normal. And one of the things that made me start thinking about, which I think did matter in the movie is, and I not only matter in the movie, but I think it's kind of the part of what I was thinking is that Clint Eastwood fantasy of the tough guy relationship with the law, like the way the small time gangsters and the police interacted feels like the sort of fantasy world of how crime and, and punishment worked in the nineties. Yeah. Um, and uh, like I, I grew up in a small town that in New England, and I mean the guys that grew up in my town are kind of similar to some of those guys in there. I don't. There weren't small time gangsters. I don't. I don't know that there was. You know, no one was, you know, killing someone and dumping their body in a river. Uh, but there were people that kind of wanted to pretend that they were that kind of tough guy like that, and they sort of aspired to being. You know the the tough, cool, you know, country gang, and uh, um, and it was weird comparing the reality of those guys versus this, which felt like it was supposed to be gritty and real, but um, but sometimes felt like it took a step too far in just certain places. Okay. Um, I mean, I I can kind of get that it. It's that's a Clint Eastwood thing, though. You're right. It is. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look through um, his movies, like he's kind of got that through line in a lot of stuff. However, uh, you know, and it's funny to think he's much more of a director who also happens to act any more than he is an actor who decided to start directing. Because um, I'm just looking at his his profile right now, and yeah, he's got 71 acting credits, but he's got 41 directing credits now. Oh. Including a couple I'd acting, forgotten. Does acting credits be way front loaded to like sixties and seventies uh, movies, westerns? Yeah, I mean, he started in nineteen fifty-five, um, and some uncredited stuff, some TV stuff, um, and it is mostly that. But I mean, he's still, you know, in he's only doing every couple of years now. Every three, four years, he's acting, usually just in something that he directs. So, mm-hmm. like, Gran Torino, Trouble with the Curve, American Sniper as a small, uncredited role, and then The Mule are his last four acting uh, jobs. Meanwhile, his last four, or in that same period of time, he directed Gran Torino, Invictus, Hereafter, J. Edgar, Jersey Boys, American Sniper, The Mule. Uh, Richard Jewell, I didn't even realize he directed, the one that just came out. Mm. Um. You know, this was around the time he was doing, he did Million Dollar Baby the next year after uh, after this. Blood Work was right before it, Space Cowboys. Um, geez, a lot of stuff. He started directing in 1971, though. 
Wow. So he, he really got the directing bug pretty early. I mean, less than 20 years into his acting career. Um, and he started directing... Uh, Play Misty for me was his first. Outlaw Josie Wales was one of his. Um, started directing, did a couple of the... Um, he did one uh, Dirty Harry with a Sudden Impact. But, I mean, just somebody who really has had quite the career. Whether you like him or not, he's sort of like Sean Penn in that way. From like, I talk about how I did, I'm not a big Sean Penn fan, but he's got a pretty good... Um, he's had a pretty great career. Not quite to a, uh, the level of Clint Eastwood, but... Right. Staying power, too. I mean, to be relevant for, what, four or five decades is pretty impressive. Um, and and not just commercially, like, he's not just popular, but cl- uh, critically as well. I mean, Unforgiven, he directed in 1992. You know, and that was, uh, how many, that won four Oscars. Um, and th- I think it was a Best Picture winner, if I remember. So, you know, he's been he's been hitting it out of the park for quite a while. Yeah, best picture, best supporting actor. He won a best director for Unforgiven. So, you know, I I'd have to say that you know, one of the big things with movies is that endings are hard. Mm-hmm. And of the Clint Eastwood <laughs> movies that I recall seeing, I can't say that he's done a bad ending. Now yeah. that that's that's me and my morose, you know, let you me know, ask my, you my outtake on light my, my outlook on life of you know it's not it's not all going to be rainbows and sunshine kid mm-hmm. you know there's there's going to be there's going to be a little bit of good but there's there's more often than not going to be a lot of heartache in life and he he really brings that to the you know he he doesn't shy away from that he's all about it and it it feel it makes it feel more real to me when you get that bittersweet ending more on the bitter on, on this one, the, the thing for me in the ending, that was real weird disconnect, like up to, um, like I, I actually, you know, sitting there when they were standing in the street, I'm like, okay, come on, like wrap this up for me, bring it to, you know, bring it home to the, to the point. And, uh, um, but the, the ending where Kevin Bacon finger guns. Oh yeah. Sean Penn. That seemed completely out of nowhere. Like I did not like, are we supposed to think that's him going? I'm no, you I'm going to shoot you or I'm coming after you or, Hey, how is it going? We never saw um, Bacon's character do anything like that. That was, it wasn't, like if that had just been a nod back and forth, um, it would have rung more true for me, or, or you know something other than that. That was such a weird like finger bang and uh, Han Solo shrug. Yeah, you know, it was. Uh, I, <laughs> I actually was like I wrote down WTF. I'm like I, I do not get what that was supposed to be. I mean I I get what they were going for with it. He can't prove anything. And but he's watching him. But you're right; it could have been a little more subtle. I think it was it was a little over the top with him doing the finger gun um, thing. But I, I kind of get where you're coming from on that. Yeah. Yeah. Now the thing that was spectacular at the end was um, Dave's wife uh, 
Celeste? Celeste, Celeste bit at the end. Oh, when she's wandering around the parade? Haunting. Yeah. Like, spectacular. Yeah. That was... Like, uh, that was terrifying uh, and a good end to her arc. Right. I um, mean, she's lost her husband. Has no. She has no idea what even happened to him. Right. Yeah. She's. She's. He's literally lost right now. She doesn't know. Um. And. Uh, and just her reaching out to her son like that and trying to get his attention. Um, yeah. Now the the one for me that didn't didn't sit well, uh, probably more than anything else, was the scene where Laura Linney comes in and Sean Penn's standing there and he says. I, you know, I killed a guy, but it wasn't the right guy. And then she's like, it doesn't matter. You're the king. Uh, that for me, cause she had never, she, she up until that point had just been, she'd been pretty middle of the road. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, like she's, I, full it on did, Cersei. yeah, it full, did yes. not, it did not yes. make me think of her as a good person at all. Not even a bad person. Like Cersei psycho. <sighs> yeah. Oh man. It, it was, yeah, that, that, that's, that's what I took from the scene. Like, it's like, Oh wow. This is some, this is a Game of Thrones mo- moments, you know, Game of Thrones kind of thing right here, and she just nailed it. But for me, like um, like Travis said, I don't think that the story built that moment anywhere at all. That just came completely out of nowhere. Yeah, I don't know. It didn't. Um, that didn't feel earned at all. Like, like she, her character doing that at that point. You know, if they had given some, if I had felt something before that there was like you know a look from her or some you know maybe there was a scene that they cut where she says something else i don't know but it just felt like she was kind of this middle of the road milk toast you know mom it was her stepdaughter that was killed uh, but she's got her other two daughters and then all of a sudden she just you know does the 180 and is crazy crazy lady um do you you think that it might have been the her crazy lady was the way to served his served uh, the Jimmy's story. Like it, it wasn't serving her at all. It was serving Jimmy to be like, this is how Jimmy's conscience is going to be solved. Salved. Like, you know, yeah, I guess um, that could yeah. be. Yeah. That, that's kind of what I was gathering from it. I mean, like a guy like Jimmy, he's going to, he's going to have somebody like that in his corner. You know, he's not going to have just this, you know, milk to, you know milk toast you know uh i don't want to say weak but um hmm. you know somewhat passive. yeah you know he's not gonna have a passive uh woman in his life like that you know that's that, that's not jimmy he you know he, he's one of those guys if she doesn't scare you at least a little bit to death then she ain't the one for you <laughs> yeah um, Okay, you're you're not wrong there. So I don't know. I just so she's mm-hmm. she's gonna have an edge to her, but she keeps it in the scabbard until she needs it, kind mm-hmm. of thing. And and I can see that, and you can have that in the character without it. I don't know that 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 scene just left a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, yeah character wise, maybe if there was a little bit more of that a little earlier on, yes. like when he's yeah, like built maybe, to that a little like bit. Like maybe there should have been a scene prior to the you know going to the bar with Dave where that shows a little bit. There you go. See, that's how you do it is you have something with her prior to him actually going and killing. Like she, because at that, at that stage, as far as we know, that's the first time she's found out that he even thinks Dave killed her is after it's already happened. Like give us something before that 
and right. at I, least, that, that at least something helped, like. But yeah. that might also have been a time constraint thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, there's there's other things you could have trimmed up to to fit that. I think you can fit that in there, and it's fairly important to do. Speaking of trimmed up, can I ask a question? I want to ask your opinions about the part of the movie that made the least sense to me whatsoever. It was Kevin Bacon's silent wife. <laughs> like I, I, I assume that was in the book. Yeah. And maybe there was more internal to it in the book. I, I hope they didn't add that to the movie because one of the things about this movie is there's a ton. Like Everyone's got a lot going on internally. Mm-hmm. And there's a ton of backstory for everyone. And uh, you, uh, Sean's character would have been complex with and interesting without that random bit. And I don't know. I hope they didn't add that to give him like a little completion to his arc. Yeah, um, I'm not but sure. That was baffled me. Yeah, I'm curious about that. I have to assume that that's part of the book somehow. I, I don't even know. Like, I've never read it. So I don't know what point of view it's written from. But it almost feels like that. If that the main... book is the same title. Yes. Okay, and I'll have to look that. It up. makes me think mm-hmm. that maybe the book is written from Sean's point of view, and yeah, so you you might get more internalization mm-hmm. of uh, of the things that are going on with him. Because you're right, mm-hmm. that just felt weird. Like you could you could even have had it where like his wife ran away, right? She took she took off, but to have her call and just not speak on the phone, but he knows it's her. It did right. it did give him the nice like he he was the one that had any kind of positive to the end. Right. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, Jimmy, mm-hmm. Jimmy is going to have he's got to live the rest of his life knowing that he killed somebody who was his friend for for killing his daughter, knowing that it wasn't right. Whether whether or not that's going to weigh on him a lot, it's going to weigh on him some because he knows that he didn't kill the right person. You know, you got Dave's wife who has to go through whatever hell she's going to go through. Um right. But but Sean yeah. got to reconcile with his wife. He gets his daughter. He kind of gets the happy ending bittersweet because he also knows that Jimmy did something. He just can't prove it. And there's no way he's ever going to get Jimmy to admit to it. And I don't think he wants to either. Cause he, he didn't push too hard. Like, he, like there he, was, there was a point when he was talking to him. It's like where he knew what happened. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I, I can't, I can't, I can't do this. I got to let it go. But I, I think you can that, see that written on his face. Well, yeah, but I think a lot of that is more of the like I'm screwed if I try, than yeah. like it's it's out of a almost defeatist attitude. Like he knows if he tries, it's not. I lost one. Anyway. I lost. I lost one friend. Am I going to lose another doing this? Right. Yeah. Well, not a, not just one other. I mean, if he pursued Jimmy, he would have to go ripshod through the neighborhood he grew up in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, and I think that was part of his character that that Fishburne kept pointing out that um, was it's too actually, much of the old neighborhood in him. Yeah, and that was that, there was that depth in the in in Sean that was nice. It was uh, that was a very believable, like that balance between you know I'm the I'm the cop I'm the statey, but also you know I grew up here and but I've, I'm not here anymore because uh, yeah cause he's, a, he's become a little bit of the outsider. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, and and that's a credit I think to adapting the screenplay too. Um, Brian uh, Hel- Helgeland, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm sure I'm not pronouncing that right, but got nominated for his uh, adapted screenplay for an Oscar. This got nominated for best picture, director, uh, 
actor, supporting actor, and supporting actress and screenplay. So it it was up for a lot of Academy Awards, um, and it won the two actor ones. So Marsha Gay Harden was nominated in this. She had won a couple years earlier for Pollock. Hmm. Um, you know, we talked about Eastwood quite a bit, but uh, yeah, I, like it's a phenomenal, well put together movie. But it's not an easy watch. It's not a, a fun, entertaining movie. It's a it's heavy, and that's we, we haven't even gotten into Dave and his character and what he went through because that dude's life yeah. was rough. Oh, like, that was. To, like, yeah. And when it finally came out to what he had done, you know, the, the, the pedophile thing, that made perfect sense that he would, you know, ri- you know, lose his rail there. But, you know, that there needed to be. I, I guess that's kind of why his story kept shifting, because then you could pull that at the end. Well, he was the, the whole thing with him. And it really comes out in that scene with him and Marsha Gay Harden where he tells her that Dave died the day he got in that car mm-hmm. and that he was never Dave again. And he had to be somebody else. He had to be somebody else to survive those four days. And he had to be somebody else to, to get out of to there. escape. And, and then he, he was, had to be somebody else again. Yeah. Once he got back, he so, was never really Dave. And, and it's interesting because you, Joe, you brought up kind of early on that, um, you know, we see them as kids. And then we see mm-hmm. them 25 years later, and we get right. very little of those 25 years. We get little bits and pieces, but even that, it's not it's not enough. Like I want to know more. The, I'm fascinated by what happened to the, these characters, especially Dave. That would have been, oh, been 02 for the movie because that was 77 when they were kids. Okay, 25 years later. Yeah, yeah so that's about right. Yeah, but like, it's it's unclear what people know about what happened to Dave. Yeah, like there was that one comment when he was home that someone said it's pretty clear he's damaged goods, but like, like the wondering, like how does how does he heal? How does the community heal? Like what? How do you make it through that process? Um, I mean, he apparently did okay enough to be a high school you know Short athlete. Stop. Yeah, yeah, and it was uh, yeah that that always had me in, intrigued that. Uh, you know, his backstory and, and more of his story. I think one of the things, the, the story choice of that also would reflected in the story choice of sort of the near, you know, the current events, they, they very strategically, and I'm guessing this was a writing choice first and a directing choice. Second, they very just strategically left pieces out. Mm-hmm. Like we never saw um, Katie get murdered. Like we saw Dave's event that night. But we never actually saw, the murder. Yeah. I can't think of a murder mystery I've seen where they solve the crime, and you don't get to see some sort of recreation or or, right, actual, or, a or flashback or something. Yeah. Right. But I think that's partially because, you know, the because uh, Jimmy is at the time of the confession when the story's coming to light, the thing with Dave is happening, and because of that, you you know. It, 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 I think that just drives home the fact that if they would have found out a little bit sooner, you know, like you said, if, mm-hmm. if only you'd caught him a little sooner. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It, yeah. it really kind of comes down to like her murder and her death, while it's the catalyst for the, for the current event story, isn't the important part of what this movie was trying to get across. Like it's, it's the MacGuffin and it, 
it pushes the plot forward, but it's largely insignificant to the interplay between these old friends from childhood yeah. and what's happening between them. So, yeah, it is in, it is interesting to think of a murder mystery where they don't show the central murder, but this is a unique uh, murder mystery because the murder mystery part of it is kind of secondary almost, even though it's what's driving the story forward. Uh, it's really about these characters, and it's different. It's it's a different movie, and I can understand completely why it was up for awards and why the critics liked it as much as they did. I mean, it did. It didn't do financially insane. Uh, it was 156 million worldwide, 90 million in the U.S., um, which you know, 2002. That's not bad by any stretch. It made plenty of money, but it wasn't like a huge blockbuster. But this isn't that kind of movie, um, right? Mm-hmm. But it definitely was uh, Oscar material, and I totally get why Tim Robbins won. He he was I like Tim Robbins a lot. I I can't. He definitely made you believe that he was an adult who had some stuff go on as a kid, and the the rocker is not attached. Oh just, yeah, just watching him walk down the street. Mm-hmm. You could, see yeah. That. He embodied that character really well. Yeah, I yeah. never, I didn't see Tim Robbins playing a character. I saw Dave, mm-hmm. and right. you know, Dave, the the cheese slid off of Dave's cracker quite a while ago, and he was <laughs> never fully there again. Uh, and I completely believed it a hundred percent. You know, the the whole scene where she comes home and he's watching uh, the movie, which by the way, the movie that he's watching is John Carpenter's John Vampires. Carpenter's Vampires. Um, mm-hmm. But that whole that scene right there won him that Oscar. That whole thing yeah. where he he confesses to her, he tells her who the the names of the two guys. Which another thing, and this I read was slightly different from the book. In the beginning, when Dave gets in the car and the guy that's sitting in the car turns around and you see the the gold ring that he's got, yeah, mm-hmm. it's a bishop's ring. From what I read in the book, it's never really given any sort of. They're just two guys, um, but mm-hmm. they played up the the fact that it was a bishop's ring in the book in the movie in part because this came out right around the time of everything going on with the Boston Archdiocese. Holy crap. Mm. So that that was that ring was so conspicuous and I wonder Yeah, I, it definitely out. it definitely screamed of clergy. Mm-hmm. And I think at that point g- given the reputation that the clergy has gained, I'm not you know, it's you you it kind of told you what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that's that's not that's not a knock against the clergy. I'm just saying that's the reputation that they've garnered from the actions of those who've done that. It was interesting for me with that whole scene, not seeing any previews, going to this fairly blind. I didn't. I expected the abduction to be a much bigger part of the actual screen time rather than just a catalyst. Yeah, and they're like, oh, he's gone. Okay, there you go. Flip <laughs> over now. Um, that was really uh, that was an interesting thing for me, and I that filled me with dread as a, you know, as a dad with two kids. The idea of that, like that event, is not something that I want to dwell on. And I was you know, getting ready to make sure that I had re-upped my kids' karate lessons. Right. You know? And but, um, now again, this is uh, you know, take with a grain of salt, IMDb trivia. But supposedly, that situation didn't happen to the author Dennis Lehane uh, as a kid. But it was inspired by a fact that he got into a car with men claiming to be plainclothes policemen and got reprimanded by his mom 
and mm-hmm. that was sort of the inspiration for that scene. But man, because uh, that was the thing, you know, it, yeah, that, when they when they talk about rough. when they talk about the the kids were like, yeah, they show he showed us a, ba- a gold badge. He never shows a badge. If you notice, you, you do see it behind the the handcuffs. Yeah, he gets out and he kind of moves the yeah, coat to the yeah, side. You I see suppose. the handcuffs and the badge there. In in such, I mean, it was such a tropey cop move. Like, let me, let me flash my badge. Yeah, like yeah. He looked, if I move it a little, he definitely had the detective look. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was that. I mean, movie opens up with that. Like, you kind of you get an idea of what you're in for uh, within five minutes of this movie starting, and then it just goes from there. I did. You know, I had the I, I remembered as I'm watching it when he gets in the when Dave gets in the car with the Savage Brothers mm-hmm. at the towards the end of the movie and they start driving away and it's like oh man you're mirroring Dave when Dave died uh, Dave's you know that was when I remembered he's not making it to the end of this movie mm-hmm. um, and yeah I mean. You know, that's that's kind of movie making 101. You do a little callback to something that you've done earlier in the movie, but done in such a great way. Like, it's that same shot of a car going down the middle. I love, you know, it's going down the middle of the street because there's cars parked on either side. Like, he's going right, right. over the yellow lines. Mm-hmm. But just that shot and the how look confused. over the shoulder. Yep, how confused. Yep. And, and Dave kind of has an idea of what's about to happen to him, in a way. Like, there's a part of Dave that knows something something is not right. Is he going to fight at this point? Am I going to fight this or is this going to, is this just going to happen? Yeah. I don't know that it's a very big part of him, but there's a part of him that knows that. And he sort of was figuring out that something isn't right as they kept going. But he, he just, he didn't have it in him to, mm-hmm. to really fight back and say, no, I can't do this. No, I need to leave. He just kept drinking as they brought him more and more shots. And, you know, I they, they had him block, you know, at one point they blocked him in. They're like, keep drinking, pal. Right. Oh yeah. That was yeah, when when Jimmy showed up and he you know kept him in the booth. That that was ominous. Oh yeah. Um and also you know, here's these here's these guys in leather jackets and here's Jimmy and he's wearing gloves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What yeah. were you gonna say, Joe? Uh, the um honestly, I'm not sure how he actually just didn't die of alcohol poisoning when I looked at all those <laughs> empty glasses there. Yeah. <laughs> well yeah, he, him him um, throwing you know, up is not uh I I mean but, um, yeah, like they they um, they that did. Was, that was also three guys worth of empty glasses there. Yeah, no, that's fair. I I was sort of looking at the ones directly in front of him, and it was uh, I mean, just getting him drunk enough to throw up out back. Um, I kind of thought it was going to be let's get him drunk and it'll be uh, you know, shove him in the river. We'll, we'll stick some, we'll stick a couple of bricks in his pocket and shove him in the river. Um, I thought that was how it was going to go. Um. And yeah, I thought maybe the door just opened out to the river or something you know, <laughs> completely crazy and OSHA unapproved like that. <laughs> well, and it's interesting too that he takes him out there and he talks about, um, you know, oh, this is where I took just Ray. You know, I shot him right over there, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, he talks about he brought just Ray out to the same spot and he shot him for basically ratting him out and sending him to jail for two years while you know and and, and while yeah. his wife was you know his wife was gets dying. cancer and dies and you all know, that everybody everybody deals with you know deals with death alone but the dying part i could have helped her with that right and and so for ray he shoots him and dumps him mm-hmm. in the river 
when he thinks that Dave has killed his daughter, he stabs him. Yeah. He, Mm -hmm. he gets right up on him and stabs him multiple times in the stomach and then leaves him there, then shoots him. Like he goes so much more overboard. Um, at that moment and that that there's the grieving father thing and that's where i was saying earlier i would have liked some reactions from the other three guys like something mm-hmm. right yeah that i you're you're right there that would have made more sense there i mean getting getting to see these guys react to you know the 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 man that calls the shots you know the the guy who's in charge the guy they you know they're the guy they look up to you know to see him just like have them step back like whoa dude would have been you know it's funny i don't i think they would have just been nonplussed about it and and justice is served and and just done their jobs i don't know why i think just the my impression of their characters that they're you know grade a stooges maybe um yeah um but the uh, i think one of the things like not seeing their reaction to me it goes back to what you said earlier travis like the point was the relationship between the three boys when they're growing up. And so the other people are just, you know, ancillary. Exactly. Ancillary. Um, yeah, that's true. Um, it, it makes me think of this. We have gone like what? Almost an hour. And we have not mentioned the boyfriend and the actual murderer in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. That's so very let's true get to that. So first <laughs> of all, like, uh, I do want to mention that, um, both of those characters, I had seen uh, those actors and other things. Uh, who was it? Brendan was Tom Geary, Geary, I think is his name. But Spencer Treat Clark, who played Silent Ray, um, mm-hmm. I always remember him because he was in Gladiator a couple years before this. Oh, geez, right. As oh, he's, he's got that face, like he's yeah, like yeah. You say it, and now I I know exactly the character you're talking about. Yeah, the, he was in the son of Marcus. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was in Gladiator. Uh, he actually showed up a couple years ago in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for a few episodes. There's something about his face. Like, he's almost too pretty. Mm-hmm. And it just it, it's a face that you don't forget. Um, and he's playing Silent Ray, which I thought was an interesting way to have a character. He's not deaf. He signs, but he just doesn't talk. They don't really give any reason for him to not talk other than he just doesn't. He's just mute. Well, they say he's mute, but his brother is like when his brother's flipping out at him, you know, says, I know you can talk. Say, right. And um, yeah, that's the thing is like he's mute by choice for whatever reason. Um, Tom. Oh, OK. Holy crap. That's why. You know who mm. Brendan was? Mm. Scott Smalls from the Sandlot. Oh. The kid from the Sandlot. There we go. <laughs> I wondered why his face looked familiar. Right. I'm sitting there like, why? Why? Okay. Yeah. So he was. Is, is, <laughs> you're killing me, Smalls. I know. There's a, you, there's a you're killing me, Smalls joke in there somewhere. But, <laughs> um, he was great. Like playing that that level of. Because he was doing a lot of. you know, it, Obviously, he thought he was running away with his girlfriend and they were going to get mm-hmm. married. Like. You know, he's 19. He's He's got that 19-year-old, I'm never going to find love again feel to it. And it was believable. Um, yeah, right. Because he never, he never went completely over the top. Um, and he went way, I mean, he went to, you know, a nine and a half, almost a 10 uh, in a few moments. But um, Yeah. Yeah, he I went really from a dangerous him. seven up to a, I, I'd say he was on the verge of a 10. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, but I, I liked him in this. I had no idea it was Scott Small, so that's crazy. His level of dealing with the cops felt authentic to that kind of neighborhood they were saying. Like, I'm gonna I'm gonna help, I'm gonna tell the truth, I'm gonna be good. Oh wait, you're trying to mess with me now? Screw you guys. Right. Like I'm done. Right. Like, am I am I under arrest? Then let me go home. Like like and that like that whole scene it was great. It wasn't I'm not um because there's a there's a thing it's where like, someone wanna, it went from I want to I want to help you find the woman I wanted to spend the rest of my you know I you're looking for the guy the guy who killed the woman I want to spend the rest of my life with mm-hmm. I'm gonna help you right and as soon as soon as they point those as soon as the pointed questions get pointed at him it, he shuts the door yeah yeah and but he's not I mean other characters were cagey just like oh you're a cop sure what do you want pig like like they were like. Like right from the beginning, hostile. He was, uh, you know, in a tough neighborhood, but a good kid. Mm-hmm. And you know that was, uh, um, it was just. Uh, well, There's a little from a bad family. Yeah, yeah, and and the the backstory of you know him dating uh, Jimmy Markham's daughter and Jimmy Markham, you know, Jimmy not liking him, but they they at first they don't give a reason. You just know he doesn't like him. And mm-hmm. then you start to find out, and then you find out who his dad was and what happened there, and that's why he said, you know, no, no Harris boy, anything like that. Like right. that makes sense once you get to the end of it. Plus, this kid going his entire life just thinking his dad ran out on him, but was still paying them, like sending him money. And there was that. That was probably my favorite line in the whole movie is Kevin Bacon's, where he's like, "You're gonna send uh, Celeste five hundred bucks a month now." Mm-hmm. That was, you know, I mean, he knows, he knows what's going yeah. on, but, but yeah, and at that at that point, it's, eh. but Sean Penn, you know, but Jimmy's still, you know, he's he's not saying anything. He's smart enough to know not to say anything, drunk as he is. Yeah. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. Emmy Rossum played his daughter Katie. Oh yeah, uh, I um, I forgot that that was her. I don't know why. Like, my brain didn't put the name to the face, but she looked familiar. But 2003, yeah, well, she, so she was young. Yeah, like she. I'm trying to think of was she had she. I first learned of her because she did, um, not uh, like dance music. Like she did um, techno music at one point, like oh. kind of a Enya e techno music, and that's when I heard about her before she was before she got into acting. Um, and then she's been in uh, what is it, Shameless on. On Showtime, yes, that's what she's forever, in now. which is like yes. the basically this same city, this same town, but a slightly more functional family. Right, um, that's why. Okay, um, yeah. And she did the day after tomorrow. Um, oh, right, but yeah, she was like, well, she's born nineteen eighty six, so she would have been what seventeen when this came out. Eighteen, not even eighteen. No, eighty six to 86. 86 oh, two. Uh, uh, twenty-two. No, no, she, no, she would have fit. Yeah, yeah. So she was young. Wow. Yeah. I, I, Sixteen playing nineteen. Nice. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> normally, Usually you get like pushing thirty playing fifteen. Right. Yeah. And for a small role, I mean, she was great. Everyone was. Yeah. There wasn't a bad role. There wasn't a bad acting job in this. Did either and, of you and that, that look that she gives oh. Jimmy before she walks out, mm-hmm. and then he explains that look later on? Yeah. I yeah. missed that look early in the beginning. Like it was, um, like he I, talks about it, and then my brain just replayed that real quick. Mm-hmm. I'm like, "Holy crap, she did that!" 
did she know she was getting murdered? And then you find out about the Vegas stuff. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, that was. Really... I will admit, at the end of that scene, my brain was fixated during that whole scene when she came in and snuck up behind him. My brain was going, "Please be the daughter. Please be the daughter." <laughs> like, like, like I'm not ready for this to go in a, like a like that kind of yeah bad yeah. way this fast. I was like, okay, she's the daughter. I feel so much better. Like, okay, good. Um, 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 and so I was distracted with that, right? To miss the look. Um, <laughs> and there was there was one um, uncredited uh, role, um, and it was Mr. Looney, the liquor store owner, was mm. played by Eli Wallach. And uh, according oh, right. according to him, he was given no direction um, for his scene. Uh, it, Clint Eastwood just basically said. He, he let's see. He you know claimed, what to do. Yeah, he claimed he filmed his scene in one take and without a single word of direction from Clint Eastwood, who had such confidence in his acting that merely knowing his lines would be enough. I mean, I okay. guess if you you bring in Eli Wallach, yeah, you're going to get that out of him. And and that scene was fun. Like <laughs> that was probably one of the few real moments of levity in the whole movie. Was mm-hmm. was kind of that scene, just you know, old liquor store guy talking to him because he was great. You know, oh, yeah. you know that guy. That guy's he's owned and worked in the same place forever. He remembers everybody. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, you walk you walk in the door, and he knows what you're going to ask for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So okay, early early on, we kind of established that that Keith is a Clint Eastwood fan of of his movies. Joe, it sounded like you kind of can take or leave a little bit his stuff. Yeah, that's about right. Um, so I'll start with Keith then on this. Uh, do you have a favorite Clint Eastwood film, um, and where would this one kind of fall in your your list? Somewhere you, um, know, you don't have to give it a I, ranking, but just kind of where? Right. Um, my favorite is Gran Torino. Okay. Um, you know the whole, you know, just it 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 really, you know, his character in that movie really had an air about him that reminded me of my own grandfather. And I felt that it was well, well done. And I just thought it was an overall great movie. And this movie comes in, it's, it's up there, but it's behind Gran Torino by just a little bit. Okay. That's fair. I mean, Joe, do you have a a favorite Eastwood movie? And it can be just something he acted in too. If you like some of the old Westerns or something too. I I think it would probably end up being, I haven't thought much about his movies, but Million Dollar Baby, I, I don't think of it as an Eastwood movie, but it is kind of, it is absolutely an Eastwood movie. So I think that would be out of the ones um, that I've seen. That would probably be, yeah, I'm trying to think. And it's hard for me to think about what other movies of his I've seen. They, they kind of blend together between things i may have seen and just all the pop culture references yeah yeah because he really is like almost larger than life right yeah like i i I don't think i've ever seen um like what's the one there's the one that they show in back to the future like oh the scene they show in back to the future and copy i don't think i've actually ever seen the original clint eastwood movie version of it oh gotcha Um, that was i think that was fistful of dollars is what they're referencing. It was one of the dollars trilogy. Um, oh, there we go. Because it was either Fistful, a few dollars more, or Good, Bad, and the Ugly, and I just don't remember which one. Oh, it was. I think it was Good, Bad, and the Ugly. Probably because that's the most well known of those. Um, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's it's really hard for me to say. I mean, just looking at stuff that he directed, you know, I'll go through. Now, I will admit that um, uh, Million Dollar Baby is one that's on my list of shame. I really I need to see that. I, I hear it's not what I expected it to be. Um, like, it's not... I don't know. I, I just hear that it's really, really good. Um, but, I, you know, he's got so many movies that he's been a part of. Uh, and I love some of the old westerns just because I think spaghetti westerns were kind of a fun genre to do. Um, good, Bad, and the Ugly being one uh, they, that I They were like. staples of hanging out with either one of my grandfathers. So <laughs> Yeah, that can definitely be it. Um, you know, I love... Uh, even though the character doesn't hasn't uh, hasn't aged very well, dirty the Dirty Harry movies are fun, uh, interesting um, takes on stuff. Um, you know, he did, he's done a lot of war movies uh, that are pretty interesting. Space Cowboys is a ton of fun, and I think part of that is the again casting. Like you put, uh, I mean, you put Clint Eastwood, Tommy Lee Jones, Donald Sutherland, James Garner. James Cromwell, uh, Marsha Gay Harden was in that one. And and then you have him directing it. Like he gets good performances out of good actors. He does a, a great job with that. Um, I don't know. I, this for me of the stuff of his that I have seen though, is probably my favorite one. It's just, there's, I, there's something about it. It's not an easy watch. It's not one that I can watch again, probably for a couple of years just because it's that downer ending. It's that, bittersweet ending to it that's that's tough to watch but it's so well done and he he does do a, a really phenomenal job of of getting the best out of his actors i did uh want to write i wrote down because uh as i was watching the end credits um the casting director was phyllis huffman and i had to give uh i, I wrote down phyllis Huff, phyllis huffman on her casting was a win because this movie's cast was just unreal. And then Eastwood got just phenomenal performances out of everyone. And it really yeah. is three, I mean, three of the four main actors are people that I'll watch in just about anything. Between Tim Robbins, Kevin Bacon, and Lawrence Fishburne. Um, it's not my favorite Kevin Bacon performance. It's very, very good, though. That. What's your, you know, what's it's, your it's favorite a, And it's a totally different performance from, say... Tremors. Yes, mm -hmm. which also is not my favorite. No, my favorite Kevin Bacon performance is Stir of Echoes. If you haven't seen that movie oh before, my God, that one is or good. If it's been a while, Joe, have you ever seen that? I have not seen that. Okay, you well, have done yourself a disservice, sir. We, we know when you're going to be back on. <laughs> what okay. we're going to watch. Uh, that that one, he's great in it, and that is a. a I, I don't want to say anything else, but that's definitely one uh, we'll find. I think it's streaming on Amazon now. I know it was at one point, but we'll yeah, have you we'll have you, know, you watch I think that. It's one come of those movies on. where you're not watching Kevin Bacon playing a character; you're watching the character. Yeah, mm. it's a, it's a really good one. Uh, also, that is that set in Boston or is that Chicago? I think it's Chicago. But anyway, that's a that's a good one. Um, this might be my favorite Tim Robbins. Uh, I shouldn't say favorite; it's probably his, in my opinion, one of his best. I think favorite mm -hmm. for me was his cameo in um, Tenacious D and the Pick of Destiny. But that, you know, that was him going like way overboard <laughs> know, playing Andy a silly Dufresne character. Always, Andy, Andy Dufresne, Dufresne is always No, Andy Dufresne spot. is, that was a phenomenal role too. Like yeah. he was great in that. 
Um, and I totally get why uh, why he won an Oscar for this, why he gets nominated as often as he has. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is funny to watch him walking next to Kevin Bacon because it gives you an idea of how, how tall he is, you know, because he is all of six foot four. Mm-hmm. And oh, wow. um, that was so <laughs> knowing that every time I watch Top Gun, I have to chuckle because at the end of the movie, he he has a small role in Top Gun. He's um, uh, he's one of the other pilots um, or one of the other, maybe the radio operators or something. But I'm just like, there's no way he would be in a fighter plane. No, 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 no. He couldn't fit. They wouldn't put him in the cockpit. Well, not only that, but how, how much they, you know, how big of a you know soapbox did you have to get Tom Cruise standing on? Well, that's, that's where I thought too. you were gonna go. Like, oh yeah, well that's that too. At least too. a one foot soapbox. But at least at least with that, because his part was so small, he's just kind of he's basically they show him in the cockpit and then they show him walking in the background. But I'm just like, there's no way he he's too damn tall. I know that because I was too tall. That's why that was one of the reasons I didn't go into the the Navy or the Air Force. I'm like, no, you're not gonna let me. You're not gonna let me be in a fighter jet, and I don't want to be in a sub. At, you know, six three, six four. It's just not going to work. Right, a sub is not going to no, no, or a tank. You wouldn't, you wouldn't want to be in a tank. Oh no way. But yeah, Mystic River. Hey, look, if you haven't seen this before, go out and see it. Um, and for you guys, I'm glad that you both got a chance to see this. Uh, sorry that was kind of a downer movie, but you know, it's it's a good movie too. Well, you know, that's that's not going to be a problem for me. Well, that I knew. I was. I had a safe feeling that you would at least enjoy this. I thought it was good. I honestly don't see many movies. I, you know, I typically, if we're watching something, I'm watching a series. Um, I did need I, to take a little break before the the morgue scene. And, and, I, and I needed to take a little break and step outside. I'm like, okay, dude, that's you. But it's not you, so calm right. down, finish the movie. Mm. So you're saying you you watch more kind of series stuff, Joe? I do, but um, I'll let that drop because um, it's a much less significant comment than what Keith just made. But I <laughs> no, um... no, no. By all means, <laughs> go ahead and make your comment. I'm not trying to overshadow you at yeah, all. No, no. Uh, the uh, um, yeah, no. Like committing for me, the whole. I'm going to give this two hours of my time um, is always a challenge. It's easier to watch like a, an hour long or a 30 minute thing. Although there'll be times I'll watch you know, three episodes in a row. Yeah. But just the, the psychological you know, commitment of I've got, I'm going to give two hours to this. Right. Um, yeah. No, is, I, I get that. <laughs> and so this was a great motivate motivator for me to sit down and watch something I wouldn't have watched otherwise. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it was it was neat. It was an interesting way to spend a night in a hotel last. Um, well, good. Down. Yeah. And and Keith, by the way, I'm sorry that they pulled it off of Netflix this week. Uh, literally yeah, I, last week, I, I I always check. I go to justwatch.com and I look to see where where movies are available. Um, mm-hmm. And it was available, and, and I went to watch it last night, watcher. and it wasn't there. You're right. I'm always a last minute watcher for the show. Because I like the movie to be as fresh as possible while talking about it. Well, plus if like you there's... if you give more than say thirty six hours after you watch the movie, your ADD, you won't remember any of it. <laughs> Let's go ride bikes. Exactly. I know. I know this, except for probably <laughs> with the Boondock Saints. You you can quote that movie left and right. So <laughs> now, well, e- even with this movie, you know, I mean, 
it will, any any movie that we watch, I when I'm on the show, I can typically pull lines up from yeah. the movie. Mm-hmm. And it it's helpful sometimes, and other times you're like, dude, just shut up for <laughs> being that guy. But you well, know, at some point I'll be able to isolate your mic and I can just mute you. But we'll we'll I'm working on that. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. You know, and normally I try to capture audio, um, but this isn't really a movie with a lot of like audio to capture. I mean, it's not. Right. There, there aren't one-liners. They're not like there. There weren't crazy esoteric performances or you weird. Know, it's like I, I can't like even that. cry over my own daughter. He's like, you're crying right now. Oh my yeah. god, that was an amazing scene. I forgot about that. Oh, them sitting that, on the back porch. Yeah. Yeah. Just that that moment. You know. Um, you know. Dave comes out, lights a cigarette, burns his hand a little bit, gets startled by Jimmy being there, and they, you know, they they talk a little bit, and he's having, you know, he's having his his grief breakdown because a dad's gonna, and he's like, but you 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 say you're not grieving, but you're grieving. Yeah, I think basically what we're trying to say, everybody, is go watch the movie. It's really really good. It, it, although if you haven't watched it yet, why are you listening to us? Because we've just given the whole thing away, right? Um, but I, you know hey, what? I knows? still think this is a good enough movie that even if you listen to the podcast first, you're gonna watch the movie, and you're still gonna feel a lot of it. Hey, yeah. I had I had seen it before, and watching it last night, I was still getting getting those feelings and getting affected. By right. It. So you know, it definitely does happen. And um, it is that good of a movie. Yeah. No, it's totally worth a watch. I'm glad both of you enjoyed it. Um, I love when somebody comes on the show having seen a movie for the first time and they like it. So that, that always makes me feel better. Um, Very few movies have, have I done for the show that I was like, no, sir, no, sir. Yeah. I can only think of one. And that was tank girl. I wanted to like that movie so much. I loved tank girl. That's the thing. It's just like directionless energy and it's, it's fun. And it might be, that's that, that might be the thing is that's the kind of movie that I like had I wa- had I watched it when it came out, I I bet you I would have loved it. But there were just too many. Wait a minute. What about? And that doesn't make any sense. And wait, where is it? No, no, what? no, no. no. Turn, turn your brain off. Just enjoy Lori Petty for what for what Lori Petty was in 1995 or whatever. Isn't she in that underwater? No. Like the one that's coming out this week. The one that yeah. I just saw last night. No, she is not in that. It's. Okay. I I gave my five word review um on that movie on Twitter. I went and saw it last night, and it was monster movie underwater, um or at the ocean's bottom. I think my my other alternative five word review was Kristen Stewart in her underwear, because um, <laughs> it's basically half the movie. But it yeah. it was fine. But no, uh, Lori Petty is not in that. Okay, because the I I saw one commercial for it, and the the face. I'm like, wait, is that Tank Girl? Nope, nope. But the short blonde hair probably made you think that. Yeah. That's probably what it was, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I want to thank both of you for joining me this week. This was a good this was uh as good a discussion as I thought it would be, um, on this movie. So that was that was a ton of fun. You know, we uh, I do this show weekly. Normally I record um Sunday nights, but we're doing it actually on a Saturday night this week. I've got stuff going on. Um but coming up Life over the next way. Yeah. Over the next couple of weeks, I got uh, I got more fun and enjoyable movies for everybody. Um, next week, we're we're going to be doing Monster with uh, Charlize Theron. I have never that's seen that light. before, and that's some light fare. Uh, the week yeah. after that is going to be Training Day with Denzel Washington. You know, another fun romp. 
Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna end award season though with the King's speech, which I think mm. isn't. Uh, I have not seen that one, but I hear it's good. Yeah, I don't think that one's quite as uh, heavy or depressing as some of these other movies. So I'm hoping anyway. Right. I've never seen it, so that'll be well, a new one for me. You know me. The heavy depressing movies are are my go to. <laughs> Bombats in the chat. Feel good movies all around. <laughs> Yeah, that's award season, but I, I felt like this would be a fun thing to do, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna move into some more fun light movies for a little bit and kind of palate cleanse uh, after this. But you know, I wanna I want to spread movies to new people. I want I want people to see this stuff, uh, whether it's I've seen it before or not. Usually, I have just because that's what I do. I, I enjoy movies, but I you know stuff like this is important to see, and so I, I'm glad that I'm able to share it with other people. Um, Something that, like you said, Joe, you probably wouldn't have watched on your own of your own accord. Um, So, but you know, it's definitely worthwhile to see. Um, If the only reason I hadn't watched it is because I don't go digging around, and if somebody would told you know, if somebody was like, "Oh yeah, this is an Eastwood movie," I would have watched it sooner. (laughs) Fair enough. Um, If you enjoy this show, uh, we do ask that you. find us on Apple Podcasts or something and leave us a review because that helps us out a ton. So um, please, if you can do that, uh, that would be great. Now, um, Joe, have you got anything you're working on, any projects or anything you want to talk about? Yeah, absolutely. There there are two things that come to mind. One, uh, I revived my podcast uh, in December uh, called The Mandatory Cocktail Hour, which is where I talk to people about their networks and how that's shaped their career. Um, uh my computer then died. Um, so I'm getting my computer back tomorrow and starting to put the episodes out right now. I've got about a half dozen episodes uh, recorded that I'm editing and getting up to speed. And in the next few weeks, I've got an uh, interview with uh, Brian Ebbett of Colorville coming oh, out. Yes. I've got an interview with um, Susan Jaffe, who is the former prima ballerina for the American ballet theater. Um, mm-hmm. Her interview was amazing except for the dump truck that kept driving by, which is <laughs> why I had to, I sat on the computer and have been doing editing work. Um, and the interview with a guy that is a, was a cancer survivor uh, at the age of 22 and, uh, and talking about his social network that supported him in that process, because it turns out there's a lot of support for pediatric cancer and geriatric cancer. But when you're in your twenties, um, he was part of building the network for young adult cancer survivors. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So there's some really great conversations that I had a chance to have and I'm putting those out. The other thing I want to plug, uh, is, um, well, and to find that that's mandatory cocktail hour and you can follow me on Twitter at J H O U D E. And I'll be plugging that over time. Um, uh, the other thing I want to plug because I was in Mystic, uh, my wife's cousin owns a little uh, boutique shop in Mystic, Connecticut called Queenie's Emporium. Uh, and I just I thought I would say, if you're in that area, go visit them. They are um, I'm trying to think of the right way. They're the they're the gift shop with a rough sense of humor. Um, okay. There's lots of uh, you have my attention, sir. <laughs> oh yes, um, uh, inappropriate poop jokes on kitchen gadgets uh tea towels celebrating drinking uh let's see what other great stuff they have uh lots of uh, coffee mugs warning people about the behavior to expect before and after drinking um it's a fun little shop in mystic connecticut called queenie's emporium 
And since we're talking about Mystic River, which, you know, there is one in Connecticut. It might but, be the same river, actually, for all I know. I'm pretty sure it's not. I looked on a map. It's because oh, okay. um, they both, the both the Mystic in Boston and the Mystic in Connecticut uh, are right on the edge of the ocean. Like, they both hmm. feed the sea. Um, it's just that, you know, I grew up in New England. People stopped figuring out new names for things. You're right. You know, 200 years ago, Mystic Connecticut and, and Boston were so far away from each other, they probably never thought anyone would visit both rivers in their lifetime. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, just writing myself a note. Go to Queenie's gift shop. Mystic. And here in Michigan, you wouldn't believe how many long lakes there are. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, exactly. I, like just looking at a at a road map, I think I found over twenty mm-hmm. one day different well, lakes named yeah. Long Lake. But I mean, we have like twelve thousand lakes in the state. So, well, yeah, <laughs> those are just but... the named ones. That's right. Not, that's not counting right. like. Well, this is a, that's a pond. No, that's, that's a Jerry's small pond. <laughs> we had a pond in my hometown that was called Asa Pond. And <laughs> my dad would always say, yeah, no, what happened is the, the map maker came into town and said, hey, excuse me, hey, old timer, what's the name of that lake there? And the guy went, Asa Pond. Um, <laughs> um, oh, I love it. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but I love that story. I want it to oh, be true. Oh, that is great. You know what? It's true in my head. It's headcanon for me now. <laughs> headcanon accepted, sir. Yes. Uh, well, once again, thanks both of you. This was a lot of fun. Uh, Joe, we'll definitely have you come back. Um, I will. Oh, thank you. We'll, we'll do uh, Stir of Echoes next for you. You can have right, another I'm Kevin Bacon. Um, you know, I didn't think about uh, our connection to a previous movie that we had covered on this show in the cast. I'm sure there's prob- there probably is one, um, but it's failing me right now, and I don't feel like, like digging, digging real quick. Yeah. Um, but join us next week. Um, I've got uh, Pat Koala, uh, who was on a few weeks, uh, actually, I guess about two months back, um, for Watchmen. He's coming back, uh, and he's got a fun project to talk about when he's on. And um, we're going to be watching Monster next week. So come back for that. That'll be next uh, Sunday. We're going to record that, and then the, the episodes go live on Wednesdays. Um, you can get those. You can find us uh through Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts, except that I gave the show a horrendously awful name uh, with weight you haven't seen. And so it's easiest to go to my website, which is tvstravis.com. There's a big subscribe button, and you can find it there. So find the show there. Um, Join us next week. We're going to be talking about... Well, that's what... keep hitting the wrong button on this thing. Uh, I did that last week. Um, But yeah, join us next week as we watch uh, Monster on Weight You Haven't Seen. And until then... Enjoy your movies. than a glass of milk.